and welcome to Buildings of Tomorrow. My name is John Lester and in today's episode we are talking about fire safety in lithium-ion battery storage applications. I'm joined today by Emily Emanuelson. She is the Product Manager for Fire Safety Applications at Siemens Smart Infrastructure. Emily, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure and we're talking today about lithium-ion battery storage applications. Let's let's start at the beginning. What do we mean? What, what's What's a lithium-ion battery and why should we care? So um, I think first we should do some, some history. Um, batteries have been around for a long time, but in 2019, the Nobel, Nobel Prize in chemistry was actually awarded to the ones that invented the lithium-ion battery. And if we compare this battery to the batteries that we have known for a long time, what makes this battery great is actually that it's rechargeable. Um, so we can use it for so many more applications uh, than mm-hmm. what we have seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. And and that's a huge step, isn't it? Because I mm-hmm. remember back in the day, you know, I've been around for a while. So I remember if you had a Walkman or a Discman or something like this, and you'd you'd have a pile of batteries that after a month or so would would have to go in the bin or, or be recycled or whatever event. So that this this rechargeable thing is something that we use on a daily basis. If we look yeah, around I- you, your desk. We have thousands of these. Yeah? Definitely. And you and you kind of take them for granted, don't you? Mm-hmm. Now, but if you think back, I also remember a few of these batteries where you could press them and see if how yeah. much you had left on them, even these small ones. And um, yeah, it wasn't that long ago that if you went outside and it was really cold, the iPhone suddenly just didn't have any more battery and so on. So there's a huge revolution and, and uh, really a, a huge uh, development within batteries just the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's obviously not just the, these consumer goods, you know, my smartwatch or the phone, like you mentioned before, it's, it's, uh, it's local consumer applications, but also right up to, to industrial applications, correct? Yeah, definitely. So uh, it started up, as you say, um, with with smaller devices. And uh, I read somewhere that uh, you should imagine everyone in India having their own computer or their own uh, iPhone or or smartphone. Then you can quite easily realize that it's it's growing there as well. But where the the overall development is really growing is in energy storage Mm -hmm. and also in the automotive industry where you have batteries now in cars and trucks and buses and so on. Uh, and that is really bringing the the big growth right 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 now. Okay, understand. And is, is it just the rechargeability that that this lithium ion technology brings with it, or are there some other advantages? Uh, the main advantages is that it is a very high energy density in potential for these uh, batteries, meaning that uh, you can. Uh, as, I mean, if you follow the automotive industry in the news, you see almost every day that the, the each car manufacturer is saying that okay, so. The new car that we're launching is going this many miles and the next time is plus 10 miles and so on and so forth. Yeah. So it's really that you can store more and more energy in the same, uh, in, in the same size. That is really yep. revolutionary uh, for uh, certain applications. And then you also have uh, quite low maintenance. And you don't have this memory effect that you had in the old batteries. I think maybe you remember when, if you got a new cell phone, it was written that the first time you charge it, you should charge it to max. And then every time you should try to completely unload it before you charge it again. Mm-hmm. Lithium-ion batteries don't have that. So um, there, are, there are a lot of advantages, definitely. Yeah, and I guess this is a good example or a good reason why we start to see them in all these different applications. Mm-hmm. And and you mentioned there this high density capacity in this car industry. I'm sure that you as 
uh, like you described, we all see this, uh, you know, Ford, as an example, this huge American car manufacturer making commitments to only sell electric cars after a certain date. These kinds of things are not only a testament to the technology that enables this, but also, you know, it's, it's a little hard to imagine the increase in demand and the increase in the number of these batteries that will be on the roads, uh, you know, in, in our daily lives as Definitely. more and more of this starts to happen. Yeah. So so we talked about cars. Uh, we talked about, uh, you know, energy storage. And, mm-hmm. and I'm interested a little bit also in to talk about this energy storage application because, you know, we're going through in our, in our energy sector uh, the a revolution, not just in the energy mix, more and more renewable energy, but with that energy mix uh, and this distributed energy generation trend, storage is a big part of that. Is is lithium ion, you know, part of this kind of storage growth around you know, energy and continuity and resilience in the energy sector? Yes, definitely. And um, so basically what it comes from is that you have a fluctuating supply when you have uh, renewable energy sources. Mm-hmm. So even though sun is up we know when the sun is up but we're not knowing maybe how strong it's actually uh, the the energy that we can get out of the sun Mm -hmm. and some days it's uh, more cloudy than other days Uh, we also have the problem with wind that is not always windy Mm -hmm. and so on and historically um, how you could save the energy was in hydropower so you would pump up this huge pools of water Mm -hmm. and then using hydropower to create this uh, green, completely green uh, energy chain. Uh, but with lithium-ion batteries, you could store the energy from solar power and wind power in batteries instead, mm-hmm. uh, which is in a way also uh, very revolutionary. And you could use what we call containerized solutions. So you basically, you, you put uh, racks of batteries into a container and then you would ship this container to where you have the solar plant or the wind plant mm-hmm. and uh, which also makes it possible if you think of uh, rural villages or or places where you wouldn't be able to transport energy otherwise you could have a whole ecosystem a green ecosystem um, that I think is really cool yeah that is really cool because you know we, we know when we look at our society in general that we have challenges around accessibility to to power or consistent power is probably the most important thing because uh, you know, even in many developed countries around the world, that consistency and that availability is a big thing. Uh, it's a big challenge, but also brings more and more importance to these kind of storage capabilities because you can't have the power in your hospital or the power uh, in your train station turning off, uh, you know, every day from three till four in the afternoon or anything like this. So we no, have... Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We have these huge challenges that, that you know, storage is a big part of, of what we're trying to achieve. Definitely. And I read the other week that Google will now use these batteries and replace diesel generators for their data centers, data centers in Belgium. Yep. So so it, we can also see that, that big uh, players right now see that they can pick out bits and pieces of what has been uh, driven by fossil fuels before and replace them by, by green energy. I understand. Through this discussion, I've kind of you know, developing a better understanding about the scope here. And, and, you know, when we talk about using these lithium-ion batteries in all our, in many of our consumer goods, in our, in our electric cars, which are going to be more and more, uh, in industry, you mentioned they're a data center from Google, but, you know, I think we, when we remember for all of our 
you know, for hotels, for hospitals, for for uh, you know transport hubs, these all have diesel generators as well. So if we start to see these being replaced, and then you add on top of that, you know, this this industrial storage at renewable generation plants and things like this, we have lithium-ion batteries in every corner of mm-hmm. of our daily lives. Definitely, what? and not to forget the whole automotive industry. Which yeah, exactly. Is going to be uh, tenfold that. So definitely, yes. And, and then we had, yeah, so in, in our garage out the front or in the car park at work mm-hmm. or in the car park in our, in our buildings, we have, we have lithium-ion batteries everywhere. Yes. Which is, from a technology perspective and what it enables us to do and to help drive sustainability, perfect. What are some of the risks? And if we talk specifically around fire safety, what are some of the risks that, that lithium-ion batteries bring with them? Mm-hmm. So I talked a little bit about, about this energy density in these yep. batteries. And so what they do is that they combine a huge amount of chemical energy with highly flammable electrolytes. So if things go wrong, the fires are extremely challenging and can be really dangerous. Uh, and if you look at the battery, it consists like any other battery of two parts, an anode and a cathode plate. And in between, there is a polymer separator. And you might have a few reasons why... Uh, you have a short short circuit or uh, some kind of damage uh, Mm. so that you get a a failure of the separator. And then the electrolytes mix. And then you have uh, increasing high, uh, you you get like the temperature keeps on increasing, Mm. uh, higher pressure within this battery. You get the decomposition of these electrolytes. And then suddenly, the, the, as the temperature goes up and up, you also get a, a fire and flammable gases. And, uh, and if things can go really wrong, even an explosion-like fire. Right. So, so the, the, one of the nature or one of the characteristics that make these batteries so useful and such an integral part of all these different technologies and actually make some of these technologies feasible in themselves uh, kind of bring with it also that risk of, you know, the would I be reasonable to say a really high fire risk, a dangerous fire risk at mm-hmm. times? Definitely, yeah. So when we look from a fire safety perspective and, and when we talk about fire safety, we talk about uh, you know detection and alarming. So knowing that there is an, an incident or a fire, letting people know this, and then also going right through to, to extinguishing, trying to manage this fire. Mm-hmm. How, how does this specific application or that, that characteristic of fire, how, how do we handle that? from a fire safety perspective? So basically what we want to do uh, is to, as soon as possible, detect the first off-gassing event. Mm -hmm. So we rely on very early detection. And from the Siemens portfolio, we then uh, recommend the ASD, so Mm -hmm. the aspirating smoke detector, which can then uh, detect the off-gassing event at an extremely early stage. And then we use a nitrogen system. If we have a, a closed system, we can use a nitrogen system mm-hmm. uh, to replace the oxygen, to bring the oxygen concentration in the air that low that the fire cannot spread. And then it would be safe to remove the faulty cell. I mean, this would, of course, be combined now with some kind of control panel that gives an alarm. So we know mm-hmm. that there's a fire and, and the battery can be removed and placed into water or something else to stop the fire completely. So right. it's what I think is important to mention is that we can we can control the fire, we can suppress the fire. Uh, it's very difficult to totally extinguish a lithium-ion fire uh, once it's started. But we, we want to control it for as long as possible so it doesn't uh, become a thermal runaway or an explosion or that it, we have this propagation effect that it goes from cell to cell. Yeah. 
uh, that's the whole strategy of of controlling this. Understand, and and thank you for that detail because that really is quite a unique strategy, isn't it? You know, in most in most cases with a with a normal fire or a fire that that involves uh, you know more traditional uh, accelerants, as an example, you know, we can achieve at full extinguishing, or mm-hmm. we can work towards that. But here, it's really about managing and managing as much as possible and and extending the time where someone has the ability to react and and take this this step forward definitely so we have batteries everywhere we have to consider a special technology or at least a special strategy to to manage the fires if there is an issue uh, we have some industry certification or at least a, a, mm-hmm. a a process for us to certify those solutions and, and differentiate to ensure that the technology and the approach works well together. Um, how, how much is it is it strategy? How much is it you know the characteristics of of managing these fires? Is it the is it the way that it's done? Is it the technology? Is it both? How, how is this combination? You know, if we if we take uh, the VDS certification as an example, what you know, where is the importance? Where is the 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 knowledge that that enables that certification? You know, what's what's the really important combination of technology and and strategy that enables this kind of management? What I would say is that uh, it comes from years of experience. Mm-hmm. From if we we talk from from our perspective, it comes from years of experience from my colleagues uh, mm-hmm. testing fires in Switzerland in Altenrhein, and understanding after 2018 there were a few quite serious fires in Korea, mm-hmm. and then uh, at the same time uh, could see the rapid growth of these lithium-ion batteries and and trying then to understand how how can we make sure that we would detect off-gassing event as as early as possible? Mm-hmm. So uh, my colleagues have done um, numbers of tests with all different uh, battery manufacturers in Altenrhein, basically where they punctuate the battery so that you create this thermal runaway and you monitor um, the off-gassing event and, and been able to do this, uh, the whole, uh, what I just explained, the whole mm-hmm. concept of, using the ASD to detect the fire and then using nitrogen uh, to suppress it and, uh, and control the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so from our, from our end, the VDS certification is really like a, a certification of quality, showing yeah. that we know what we're talking about and we know, uh, we know how to deal with these kind of fires. And uh, so in Alteran, you can test fires. So if anyone would, listening to this would like to know more about that, I can recommend a, a webinar that is done by my colleague Gerd Hilsen, where you can show pictures and videos, uh, movies from real fires mm-hmm. that, that has been tested. Um, and if someone would like to do a lithium-ion fire, if you if you're a battery, battery manufacturer or if you're a car manufacturer or any other manufacturer of a battery, reach out to us and then we can try it out as well. Because every what's important to to mention perhaps as well is that every battery is different and uh, you need you need to set the uh, the specifications accordingly to what kind of battery type you have. Right. Um, yeah. Which makes it even more important, you know, when you, we start to think about that, that's, uh, you know, not only is it a challenging fire that needs a completely different approach, but it is quite unique depending on, on the, the type or the application of the, of the battery, uh, the, you know, the manufacturer, et cetera. That, that just means it's more important for us to be very aware of what's being used where, and what technologies they're protecting it so that we have the best chance to, mm-hmm. to avoid those really catastrophic 
situations like you mentioned before. Um, and we didn't even talk about the factories. You know, when we think about, you know, the billions of, of batteries that will be created over the next decades uh, mm -hmm. and continuing, they all have to be manufactured somewhere. And here's also, a, a, you know, a really large risk profile uh, of an emerging technology or an emerging industry that we also have to be able to address effectively as, as a fire safety industry to make sure that the people that work there and 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 the the, you know, the, the equipment and, and the possessions there are safe. Definitely. And this is, uh, this is an area that I've been looking into uh, recently mm -hmm. and, and I really like as well to, to look at because as of today, it's approximately 90% of all the production of batteries takes place in Asia, in mainly yeah. in China, Korea and Japan. Mm -hmm. But it's estimated that there will be, a, uh, or it's actually announced 25 large products in Europe yep. that are ranging from just pilot plants up to gigafactories. Um, you might have heard of customers like Northvolt or Tesla, or British mm -hmm. Volt and so on. Uh, and it, it is estimated that Europe will have, by 2030, will have approximately a production capacity of 500 gigawatt hours. Wow. And that means that we will uh, increase our market share uh, and kind of close the loop in Europe, uh, being able to be uh, have both automotive industry and the battery as well. So you, we have everything at the same time, mm -hmm. um, instead of then importing batteries from Asia to Europe and so on. So it's yeah. uh, it's really booming and it's happening right now with the battery manufacturers and and this is uh, of course for for Siemens very interesting. Yeah, it's an exciting development because I can imagine something similar would also be happening in the US. You know, you mentioned mm -hmm. Tesla there, they're a US company. We we talked a little bit earlier about uh, companies like Ford that are you know, these are marquees of the automotive industry based in the US. No doubt they're also yeah. looking to to develop their manufacturing industry, which means that globally we have not just uh, you know, a huge, uh, a huge footprint of these, you know, these pieces of technology in our daily lives, but also, you know, industry spread for the manufacturer throughout the globe as well, uh, which, which really gives great opportunities, but also, you know, makes it more and more important that we understand better the the risks and and come up with, uh, you know, great, you know, certified and tested uh, solutions so that we can be safe and protect the, these uh, these different applications. Definitely. Amazing. Emily, thank you so much for joining us. It was a real mm -hmm. pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It, it's absolutely our pleasure to have you. I've got the feeling that we'll have some more conversations. Yeah, because... I would love to come back to talk about renewable, um, the, the, the how we can make renewable or like how we can make a circular economy out of all of this because we have then the solar power we have the wind power we have the backup energy storage supply with the batteries we have production of batteries that are powered by this green energy and we can um, recycle the batteries themselves and so on so i would be happy to come back and talk more about that amazing it sounds perfect for me because that's one of the really interesting things as well you know we not only as a society do we know that this is a huge part of how we can achieve what we need to achieve from a sustainability mm -hmm. perspective, but we also have to make it feasible. You know, we have to somehow not just ramp up production, but ensure that we have the raw materials and the capability to manage yeah. and recycle and support these industries. Uh, there's no point us uh, building uh, a million batteries in a factory if it runs on on fossil fuel. As an example, this yeah. this makes the payback period or the the uh, you know the zero carbon date 
further and further in the future where we need to improve this. So I'd be more than happy and excited to have you back to talk about that uh, because it's also not so, it's not just a fire safety issue, but this is, this is uh, you know, an issue that we're talking about with our energy mix and the revolution that's happening in the energy landscape at the moment that affects all of our lives. Um, Definitely. Work and, and uh, at home. Emily, thank you again. Thank you so much for the time. A big thank you also out to everyone listening to us. Please remember to like, share, comment on this episode, subscribe to us, whether you're listening to us in this episode, always keep your eyes out for the new episodes, one every week at a bare minimum, uh, and get in touch with us, find us on LinkedIn, and uh, drop us some ideas for the next episode as well. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.